Thank you to this week's sponsor, TNG Coaching. TNG Coaching's vision is to teach values through activity and experience, to guide creativity, instill confidence, champion self-worth, and celebrate identity. This journey begins by reflecting on our own performance, by collecting our thoughts and feelings on paper. Both positive and negative, we begin to discern ways to respond to challenges. Opening a personal dialogue and sharing concerns has been proven to create deeper bonds with peers. Journaling how these relationships evolve can help assign roles and build the support structure every team needs to function effectively. When complete, your journal will stand as a lasting reminder of your commitment to your cause and your ambition for personal and professional growth. You can find the Coach's Journal on Amazon through the link or go to tng.coach for more information. Welcome to Recess Duty, a podcast for educators to come together to share struggles, but also celebrate successes by sharing stories and ideas in a safe and supportive environment to collaborate with one another. Here's your host, Levi Allison. everyone. This is Recess Duty with your host, Levi Allison. And today we're talking with international educator and passionate leader, Uni Santosa. Thank you so much, Uni, for joining us today. How are you doing? Thank you, Levi. I'm doing fine. Thank you. And thanks for this uh, opportunity to share here with you. Of course. And, you know, when we started this again, we worked a little bit on PYP chat last year together and we connected through twitter and we've done a lot of learning and collaborating back and forth and so it's always great to connect with people face to face that you met online and really show that relationship with one another so uni for those of us listening abroad and around the world tell us a little bit about yourself um well i'm originally from indonesia I grew up in a multicultural environment, which taught me a lot about tolerance, appreciation, and respect towards others, regardless of your religion and cultural background. And for me, these are a very essential values that I keep until now, wherever I am, wherever I go, and I share with others as well as with my students. Yeah. And um, my journey as a teacher, I've been a teacher since 2002 and started my PYP journey in 2005. And since then, I have fallen in love with education. The first PYP school I joined was in Jakarta, and I began my role as a PYP and Montessori kindergarten teacher. And at that time, I had no clue how, how these two PYP and Montessori worked. Um, you know, the PYP with the inquiry-based learning and Montessori with the freedom of movement and choice and individual's learning. Of course, I, I, I knew that like in theory, but I have never seen that in practice. So I just had to learn by doing it every day, what I did in the classroom, what I saw with my co-teachers. I think I was lucky because I had a great level coordinator Mm -hmm. who basically allowed me to explore what PYP is, Mm -hmm. how PYP works. You know, she will not tell me, Uni, don't do that. Uni, this is not how we do this. Uni, uh, this is not PYP or something. Uh, She just observed me, but I, I, I did believe that she guided me with her hints and made sure that I was on track. So, so I think that was my very first point to be 
an inquirer, an inquiry teacher. And mm -hmm. I was grateful being or working with her and trying to figure out my way being a PYT teacher. Uni, that's a beautiful story because I think we all can relate to, you know, going into Montessori or going into uh, play-based learning or going into PYP or MYP or DP. And that first step, it is a new way, you know, unless you grew up within that program, it is a very different way of how I grew up. I did not grow up in a P by P play-based learning. It was a textbook. It was a chapter, one week, chapter one, chapter two, week two. And it was that. And I also had a coordinator that really never told me what I was doing was wrong. It was just constant questions. How did that work? How can we make it better? Could you have tried this? How do you think it would have happened? Showed me a lot of different resources. And it's really thanks to those leaders that really, instead of going in with a negative conversation saying, empowered us to be the best that we could be with what we're bringing to the table already. That's true. That's true. And that is something that, maybe the person did not think that she had made an impact on me, but I think this is something that I always think in, uh, in myself and think that, you know, you, you, you just need to explore and let, let people explore, let people find out how things work and some guidance may be, may be needed, but you don't have to be told this is what needs to be done or this is how it looks like. Absolutely. And of course, we're all adults. We're all learners. We're all very competent individuals, like going in there with that positive mindset of, hey, let's try this instead of you need to do this, of course, is going to already empower agency, empower ownership, empower not only just for students, but for us as educators as well. So you need on to talking about that with your multicultural identity and growing up in a diverse background and stuff. Tell us, what are you excited about in today's world of education? What excites me? I mean, um, I've been saying this, that um, this academic year, since August, I'm very excited about being full-time back as a class teacher. So that means it's 100% being with the kids, learning with them. And um, yeah, that's that's really excites me, especially... Um, this academic year, I have the second grade. I love, I, I love them so much. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like every day I get to learn from them. Yeah. Every day, every day, there is, there is always something that excites me whenever I see them, listening to their thoughts, listening to their chats, seeing their actions, and, and, and also seeing their, their natural curiosity. It's just, it's, it's, it makes me amazed. This is the feeling that, that I miss whenever I'm not with them. Mm -hmm. Let's say, yeah. Um, I was a PYT coordinator for a while, and, and I know I was still teaching at that time, but it's just feel different when yeah. you have your own class, when you, you can do so much with them. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. I say, I say this that every day I feel like I learn together with them. I want to learn together with them because I also want them to see me as a learner. I want them to see me as someone who also makes mistakes and also learns with them together. And I want to show them what it means to be a learner. I remember when we talked about goal setting with them, uh, 
do you remember the the bicycle stages that Taryn, I hope I pronounced her name correctly, Taryn Bonclat shared in yeah. her book, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the bicycle stages. And I always use this these pictures. And usually I just share with them randomly. I ask them, so what do you see? What do you think? And how do we connect these pictures with the way you learn, with the way we learn? Amazingly, they are really able to make clear connection between how they learn and the pictures. They can say, oh yeah, look, the first picture, this picture is about you are still uh, struggling, you still need some support, and here you are able to apply, you can even do some tricks, you can explain to others. So they, they, they can make really good connections between the pictures and between with how they learn. In, in math, in language, in reading, and so on. So um, we we make this this these pictures visible in the classroom, so that we can always go back there, and they even put their goals there. For example, okay, what do you want to work on? Let's say I want to be better at uh, reading time, and so on. So we put them there, and. Um, we look at them regularly, we reflect on them so that they, they even tell me, oh yeah, we can move our photos forward if we think we know, we, we understand that better, or we, we have the proof that we get better. One day, one of them really asked me, so Miss Yuni, where are you in your teaching skill? Oh, and wow. we, talk, we talk about skill, and I was surprised when this child asked me, so where are you in your teaching skills? One of them even said, you must be somewhere here, somewhere not, not on the frame anymore. Said, hmm, yeah, what made you say that? The other started thinking, yeah, maybe you were here. I said, why? They asked me questions. They gave me feedback. And for me, that is like I'm learning with them. They, they, they told me where I am and what, what, I think, what they think I should be improving. It's, it's really, like I said, every day, it's amazed me. Their questions, they have questions every day that I have never thought that they would have asked. So, no, it is, so yeah. Sorry, it is so true because they come with such curiosities and no child is the same and or two child are alike. And they come in with different experiences and different backgrounds and want to know different things. And they come in with all of this. And, you know, sometimes it is very scary trying to answer all these questions. But again, when you empower these students to go and look for their own answers and their own questions, and you become more of a facilitator and more of a guide than the person in the front of the room, I found it just opens so much more doors. It opens so many more doors to allow students to express themselves in a way that makes sense for them. You know, they get to explore different passions and different curiosities. And that doesn't mean, you know, if we go back to like what it is to be PYP or Montessori, you know, there's a lot of rumors around there what it means to be PYP or Montessori. You know, PYP is not just a free for all of students just picking what they want to learn and just Googling it all day long. Montessori is not just students playing with hammers and nails all day long. No, there is a a system in place for it to be effective. And when you see those systems and be in place, it truly is mind blowing. And what you said, like amazing to see. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I do, I do think, and I think this has been mentioned as well by Sonia before. It's not free for all. Yep. 
when you talk when you talk about TYP or when you talk about inquiry, people always think that oh, it's free for all. Um, they can do whatever they want. It's not exactly correct because this is something that the misconception that that we we have heard a lot, and um, many teachers until now still think. Yeah, but I cannot do inquiry all the time. Yep. And I say, well, why not? What do you mean by 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 inquiry? What what does inquiry mean to you? There are different stages of inquiry, and you are doing inquiry without no, knowing that you are doing inquiry. Exactly. It, it depends on the purpose of inquiry. Is it is it the structured one? Is it the guided one? Is it the the independent one? So it's it's I think. It's also the same with agency right now. When people think about agency, oh yeah, give them choices, that's agency. Well, it goes beyond giving choices. It's not only you give them choices, that means you are doing agency. I think it's not about doing agency, it's about promoting agency. And, and if, we, if we think about agency as, as something that connects to, uh, that people believe that they can do something, that they can succeed with the, the capabilities that they have, the ability that they have. That means it is our roles as educators, how we can support this, how we can promote agency. So it's not, it's not only giving them choices that is agency or uh, let them do whatever they want, that's agency. That's not really true because we, there are some elements like the support. How do we support students so that they become more confident in sharing their voices and ensuring that, hey, your voice matters, that your voice, that you can uh, make a difference, take action with your thoughts, with your uh, um, voice, with the decision that you choose. Things like this. This is something that uh, since August 2021, I was so excited because I started applying this in my class. Since day one, I yeah. basically uh, really tell them, you know, share with us what you think and we make it happen. And we do make it happen in the classroom. Yeah. Slowly and slowly they do see, oh yeah, we can do this. Oh, I can share this and Miss Uni can support this or somebody else can help me to do that. Something simple, something simple like sitting in the classroom. Because of the pandemic, we have to have a sitting plan so they cannot sit whatever they want. I basically tell them, well, you can sit with wherever you want in the classroom and with whoever you want to sit. At the beginning, it was hard because of course, oh, I want to sit with this. I want to sit uh, with my friends. But there are a group of kids who feel like that no one wants to sit with me. So this this process really, I said, look, I tell you that you can you can decide. You can because you know if you sit with this person you feel good if you sit this person you might get distracted so i want you to be a thinker and think carefully when you make a decision and at the beginning a few of them even even told me well why don't you just tell us where to sit yes i have done the exact same thing and that exact same question how funny comes back every time 
why can't you just tell us where to sit? Why can't you just tell us? Why can't you just decide? And I'm like, because then I'm taking the learning away. Then I'm taking the thinking. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm taking away that thinking. I'm taking away the challenges that come with choosing a good seat. And that's what I do. I always start off with, because of COVID, I always start off with an original seating plan. And then about nine weeks in, once I know everybody in names and we've built relationships and expectations and a community, then I'm like, all right, we know what our expectations are. We know what we want to achieve. How, let's look at how we can create that by still supporting everybody's ownership of where they want to sit. Because some students want to sit far away. Some students want to sit near. Some want to sit by the door. Some, you know, there's all there's a wide gamut of where people want to sit. And I want to I want to honor that. I want to I want to encourage that. But always that comment. Why can't you just decide? comes back exactly and, and it's yeah. i i'm sorry i just when you said that it just rolled me back to that and i was like oh my goodness it happens everywhere i guess well of course it will be easy for me isn't it? I said, and then they were just looking at me I said, well like like you said to your kid i said well i want you to, to, be, to decide because this is your learning environment this is your class you can decide how you want to learn where you want to sit, how everything. So I, I want to let them know that you can make the decision that impacts you and impacts others. And and slowly it 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 has gotten a lot better. So why don't you just tell us where to sit? So it's getting less now. So yeah. So I think they they learn. And I always involve them whenever there is a problem. Let's say anything that, that relates to the class management, where they put their, their, their bags, their things, and sometimes there is a problem, an issue. I always, I always ask them, so what's the problem? They list down. So what will be the solution? What will be, what will be uh, the options that we can do? And they were able to explain or give the points that we could do. And eventually... They did not complain after that because these are what this these are the things that they decided. Where to put their shoes, where to put their bags, how can we organize so that no one gets hurt? So they they just don't complain. Because, because they own their they learning, make. they own the they environment own. of which exactly. they are. Exactly. The ownership of the decision that we make together as a class community. I'll never yeah. forget, you know, I'll never forget when I was in Kuwait and we were building our classroom and I, I was trying something new. I was just throwing all the instruments in the middle of the room. And I said, where, where let's design this. You know, I don't have 20 students at that time. I had 500 students. <laughs> and so I was like, we're, I can't promise everybody's going to get what they want, but I am going to listen to everybody's thoughts and ideas. And we're going to build a collaborative community area. And I can honestly say, for the most part, more kids and more students were involved and taking care of the instruments, taking care of the area, because they were involved of where they were. Even if, they, even if the instruments did not go where they wanted it, they knew that their voice was heard. And that made this time it wasn't carried out because there were more voices that wanted it over here for extra number of reasons. But when students are 
involved in the process of creating learning and creating environments of which they are in, they are immediately more engaged in what they have to do in the classroom. I truly believe that having seen it in now three different countries with thousands of students, I truly believe when we ask our kids, how can we solve this problem? And we truly listen and we truly give over that, that idea that we need to control, that control, allow them to own that struggle. We, we've, we've got them. We've got that buy-in and we've got that community of we're all in this together. Yeah, there you go. We are all in this together. I think we agree with this. I think this is the trust that we should have that they are able to do this. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we think adults, as adults, sometimes we think, oh, yeah, can they do that? Can they, can, they, can they give us the solutions? But you don't know if you don't ask them. Yes. They have really great ideas. Of course, they list down, let's say, 10 ideas, and then we can say, okay, let's let's uh, sort this out into relevant and irrelevant, and what can we do? Yes. And it was an eye-opener for me working with early years, you know, because there is that, again, that kind of rumor, kind of expectation, oh, they're, they're four years old. Let's just do it so they don't have to. Oh, they're in pre-K. They what, Let's just do it so, and let's save time. And I'll never forget having that conversation in a collaboration meeting back in Kuwait. And one of my colleagues, Raiden, said, yeah, they are four. Doesn't mean they cannot have a voice. Yeah, they are four. Let's still listen to their thoughts and let's bring them into the idea. And it was at that moment when I was like, yeah, just because they're four doesn't mean they they have any less of a voice of what they want in their community or what they want in their environment. So let's give them the benefit and how that looks is going to look very different. It's going to might be through a drawing. It might be through a voice note, might be through picture book, but it's still their representation of what they're wanting. Yeah. Well, okay, but that's actually kind of um, the first grade teacher in my school. She always said, I don't want to steal the money, which is true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and looking back to Trevor McKenzie always said, whoever does the work, does the learning. For sure. So this is something that we keep in mind all the time. If the kids can do this and I'm doing it, that means I still am doing it from this. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I plan carefully. I make sure that I don't want to steal anyone's learning opportunity. And I always ask them. I always get them involved in whatever we do, whatever decision we are going to. I remember the parents uh, back in December saying, are we going to do this? Are we going to do the Christmas party, this and this? And I said, let me ask the kids because I I don't make the decision whether we are going to do Secret Santa for Christmas party or whether we are going to have this and this for for snack and, and drinks. I said, let me ask the kids and I will get back to you. And I just asked the kids. And we we voted. We talked about some 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 kids like the idea of having Secret Santa, some kids don't. We talk about the positive and negative. And at the end, it is a part of the learning experience as well. Mm-hmm. They share their thoughts, they, they reflect, and, and at the end, we make the decision together. So it's going back 
we need to trust that they are capable to do this. And, and if, when we have that in our head, then we we will always apply this. And again, what a beautiful example of building capacity in our students to own their learning. It wasn't some fancy lesson. It wasn't some amazing provocation. It was a conversation on whether or not they were having or how they were going to have a Christmas party. Like, and you start there and then you build on it. And the beautiful thing is, is because of what you've done for the last six months, they knew their voice was going to be listened to. And so they were okay with even disagreeing. And, he, and I can almost bet, even if they disagreed, I bet they realized, oh, you know, even if we don't go with my opinion, that's okay because it's going it, to, everybody can't have the same opinion and everybody can't be the person that's right. And the IB mission statement was, is looking for, to help students realize two different perspectives may neither one of them be correct. And making sure that we're helping those students reach that goal. That sounds amazing. Uni, what is one of your favorite sayings or quotes or something that you use often with your students? You you said a couple so far, and I just I love asking and seeing because I know you're very well read, and I know you've read almost every book that I've ever read, and probably more. So, what are some sayings or books that you've been reading lately? Actually, this morning, this morning the learning transfer from. Julie Strand. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I, I know. I got it. I got it back in June, <laughs> but I haven't touched that until this morning. <laughs> I, I understand. I have four or five books that I got in July and June that I haven't read until this past week. And now I'm like reading through them and really digesting them. It's been a great time. It's so funny you bring up learning transfers because my friend Mihai just texted me today and said, if you haven't got this book, you got to get this book. It's really great. So what a, what a great, what is that word serendipitous of when two things happen, just randomly or craziness. Awesome. Thank you so much, Uni. Uh, Uni, wrapping up real quick, where can people find you if they want to still connect with you, if they want to continue learning with you? On Twitter. It's called Inquiry Learning. Uh, I have not been blogging for a while because lots of reasons, but I thought when, when I thought again, actually I, I do enjoy putting things down and just, it's a blog. My blog is like my reflecting time. So I could stop and reflect and think and make connection and show. And basically I just, I just love to share and I'm happy to share and help whenever I can. I yes. also uh, managed to two Facebook pages. One is Food for Thoughts CYP, and the other one is about um, technology. So basically, with these two pages, I don't put my comment, I don't put my opinion. Basically, I just share whatever I, I see on LinkedIn, on Twitter, anywhere, and I thought that would be useful for others too. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like a great place to connect and learn. And for our listeners out there, having read Uni's blogs very religiously, 
She is a beautiful writer and asks wonderful questions and gets you really thinking about what you can do to empower student learning. So I highly recommend it. Uni, we ask Thank all you. guests here. Oh, of course. We ask all guests here, what do you remember about recess growing up? Hmm, recess. If I if I think about recess during prior, uh, during my time at the primary school, it's all about training. Mm -hmm. When it's recess time, I would I would eat my snack really fast, and then I would run to the playground, to the monkey bars, or play police and robbers. It's all about playing together with with my friends, and then got chased and got tired, and then going back to the classroom. But it's all about play. Yes, for sure. And I, having talked about recess quite a bit lately because of the podcast, it is, it's very amazing to see the different types of play that students, even adults, go through, you know, and it's, it's amazing to see that, you know, some students are perfectly fine with just sitting and reading a book. Some students really want to get out there and play soccer. Some students want to go exploring the grounds. Some students want to collect rocks. And, you know, it is a, it is a really cool time recess du duty to look for those different types of play within our students. And I do invite everyone to go out and look for it because even for adults, you know, we, we need to play as well, right? Thank you, Uni, for coming to this week's episode of Recess Duty. Be sure to follow us on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our next episode. I'm Levi Allison, and I hope you have a great day of learning, everyone. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Recess Duty. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, please share this podcast with other educators so they can join the fun. And that is the end of our Recess Duty.